This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is an incredibly busy and special guest. Chuck Markarian is the CISO of PACCAR, P-A-C-C-A-R.com. Now, PACCAR is a global technology leader in design, manufacturing, and customer support of, guess what? Those trucks you see on the highway every day, premium, light, medium, and heavy-duty trucks. Some of the brand names are really famous. Uh, Kenworth, uh, Peterbilt, and DAF, you've seen those nameplates. So, Chuck, thank you so much for taking your time today to join me in the hot seat. Happy to be here, Gary. Now, you and I were talking about the challenges we face, you know, always being on the victimized side. We've been attacked. We've been breached. We are defending, defending, defending. All it takes is one bad guy to do one thing that you didn't defend against and get in. And so you've talked to me about preventative controls, training and education, prepare to be hit. What are your thoughts on just, can we stop the bad guy? Can we go on the offensive? Well, I don't know that we can stop them, but hopefully we can at least slow them down and be better prepared for those attacks. Um, Preventative controls are great. Anything you can actually prevent and stop, that's great. One less thing to have to deal with, so to speak. but they're very well organized. I mean, it's a business for them and they're gonna keep coming and keep coming as long as there's, there's money and as long as they can find a way in to get to that money, whether it's ransom or whatever it might be. For me, it's how do we as businesses, how do we as cyber leaders connect better with each other? How do we utilize the other sources that are out there um, and come together to sort of pool our resources, even if it's just our intellectual resources to say, how do we, change the narrative. How do we better protect against these guys working together versus all trying to do it individually for just our businesses? How do we flip the switch? How do we not just keep doing everything the the way we've always done it, which was looking for that better mousetrap, that that new shiny tool that's going to protect us? I think we need to change the narrative a little bit and be a little bit more, as you said, on the offensive when we go against these guys within the realms of what's legal, of course. But how do we be more proactive in going against them? And Gary, I'm not smart enough guy to have all those answers. But I really, whenever I'm talking with my peers, we'll talk about this and bring up the subject of how do we maybe have a think tank of just sitting together on a, a monthly basis or something and, and working through ideas and concepts, me learning what you do the best at your company to protect and, and me sharing what we're doing, things that I think are good at our company, pull those things together and, and uh, get ahead of these guys. That's a great idea. You know, we've got uh, the Cloud Security Alliance and we've got, you know, OWASP and MITRE's got the attack framework and NIST uh, and, you know, and the STIGs and all these standards and all this great stuff. But again, we're always in reactive mode. And, and lately the the hot buzzword is zero trust, right? Yeah. Every vendor saying, I've got the zero trust, my XDR is zero trust, my MDR is zero trust, my MSSP will deploy zero trust. But zero trust is really a philosophy and you do yeah. want to trust your employees. You do want to trust people to have access to certain resources. But again, I think it gets back to what you said, which is how do we train ourselves to get one step ahead of the next threat and and go on the offense if we can? I've seen some useful offensive technologies uh, or, you know, slow down the breach technologies like um, the honeynet.org, you know, deception technology Mm -hmm. companies are coming out now and they've had a hard time because people didn't want to deploy something that wasn't a firewall, wasn't you know, antivirus next gen wasn't an IM solution. So that seemed to me as an offensive approach, one of many, 
but will we deploy them and will we talk about them and figure out how to get our philosophies around not just zero trust, but yeah, let's get ahead of these bad guys because they're they seem to be winning the war. Yeah. And I think some of that goes to the discussions that like people like myself have in the boardrooms and with our executives to help them understand some of these tools that maybe they don't hear about and the value that they can bring to the table and how we can use them in thinking differently in our approach. Again, the preventative stuff, the firewall, those that stuff is all critical. But there is other stuff out there that I think we can use to be a lot more proactive in our defenses. And do you think employee training uh, is more important than most companies realize? Getting the employees to have better corporate hygiene and cyber? Yeah, I, I really do. I'm a firm believer in education, awareness, training. Um, we we do things here on a consistent basis. We do you know phishing of our employees and other things. We have training that's required a mandatory thing. I think if it's something that's not uh, supported at the top, like it is here, it's, it's very supported from our executives. If it's not done that way, then it's hard to get into any sort of real cadence or rhythm where you're getting it on a consistent basis. And I think that's key. I think if you do it once a year type of thing where you're, hey, we're gonna fish our employees this month or we're gonna fish them you know, twice in a year, I, I don't think you get the value out of it. I think you need to do it constantly and all the time. And I think training is the same way. You need to get in front of them at least once, if not twice a year. Uh, and I think you need to time your training. Maybe your phishing test, if they fail a phishing test, they automatically get a short training session. Something short, something impactful, but something that, that they'll remember and they'll think about. And it's just fresh in their minds that way. That's a great idea and great advice for others, uh, our viewers and listeners. More frequent and consistent training. People do forget, you know, a month or two later, they'll click that link or... Some of the latest uh, phishing attacks have been very intelligent. Some juicy tidbit, you know, we're doing a layoff. This is the CEO. Don't tell anyone. Here's the list. And then you're like, oh, my God, I better open that attachment and make right. sure I'm not on the list. You know, these phishing attacks are not old fashioned misspelling of Bank of America with, a, you know, an extra M or an L instead of uh, an I in America. They're super smart now, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, I will get some that come across my email box sometimes and I'll kick it over to my guys and I'll say, you know, hey, I'm 99% sure this is phishing, but let's take a look at this thing. And if, if I'm questioning it and I'm trained in this stuff and I know what I'm doing and I've seen it for years and years, think about people sitting at home who, who aren't trained that way or other people within the business who haven't got that security awareness. Um, it's really easy. It's really easy to fall victim to those. I just had somebody send me an email. Their wife had got a uh, um, a voicemail or a, a phone call scam trying to get them saying they were from a, a medical uh, provider, a healthcare provider, and they were trying to get information and it was urgent and they were very persistent and blah, blah, blah. Well, this was the wife of one of my old uh, security guys and he had trained her well and she didn't fall victim for it, but he shared it with us so that we could share it with our employees that, hey, just remember this stuff is real. It's out there. If you get these calls, hang up and call back the number you know is a valid number. But you know what you said shouldn't be an epiphany that we we have an opportunity to go on the offense. And I think the frequent training is very helpful in offensive cyber because people are more on their guard. You're getting preemptive, you're getting proactive. What other things, tools, techniques, ideas do you think we could come up with together? What thoughts do you have to move things, move the needle into the offensive zone? Yeah, boy, I wish I had some some incredible pearls of wisdom here. To me, it, it's sharing, it's networking, it's getting to know the other CISOs in your area. It's having that phone line. You know, I've got 
a handful plus, probably a dozen CISOs that if I'm having an issue here, I can pick up the phone and call them. I know they're going to answer. And I can say, hey, are you seeing this? Have you seen anything like this? If you have, what have you done about it? If they haven't, then I can share it with them so they're on the lookout for it. So I think networking, sometimes maybe we poo-poo that a little bit. To me, it's critical. I wouldn't be in the role I'm in now with the, the same level of experiences if I didn't have those shared experiences from my peers um, when I've called them and asked them about things. Without that networking, uh, I wouldn't have that. And it's just been incredibly valuable for me in my career. And, and I'll tell you, I'm an introvert. Um, so when I first started this career and I would go to events, I wasn't reaching out to people. And that was a hard change for me to get to the point where I would jump into the conversations. I would go and introduce myself to peers and get to know them a little bit. And, and that networking and the value from it is, is just, uh, it's invaluable. So I really encourage people to when they go to these events, don't just go there to listen, go there to meet other people, to find people who you can chat with and learn from and know that when you have something going on, you can pick up the phone and make a call. That's great advice. And I think as we were talking about earlier, the bad guys are doing this better than we are <laughs> using the dark web and other methods. They're communicating frequently on what works or what doesn't work, aren't they? They are. And you'll see they, they make scripts and a lot of times they'll share these scripts and things out there with each other freely. Um, they are very organized. You can buy the service from them. You can get you know, tin, gold, copper, whatever level of support you want from them. It is absolutely a business. Now, Chuck, you, you said too earlier in our conversation, expect to, to be breached or to get hit or get attacked in a way that, you know, may potentially cause damage. It may be loss of records and, you know, in critical infrastructure, who knows, it could be the power going out in an electric company. So these are serious issues. What do you do to deal with that risk? So one of the things is when I'm talking with our executives and our board, I make it very clear to them that, you know, if somebody really does decide they want to get into our network, they will find a way in. I just truly, truly believe that. I don't believe you can say with 100% confidence you can stop them. So then you have to flip it around and say, okay, if somebody does get in, how good is our detection? How quickly can we detect them? How quickly can we redirect or stop what they're doing? And how quickly can we recover and respond and get back to normal? So that's a there's a, the security and the IT side of that, but there's also the business side of that. And helping the business understand when something happens like this, they play a role. How are we going to communicate externally? There's ransom involved. Are we going to pay the ransom? If there is um, something that's shutting down a factory, how are we going to ship loads from factory A to factory B? Those are all things that really are outside of the IT and security realm. They're on the business side. So we do tabletops and we include the business in those tabletops to walk through those scenarios and to get them up to speed and to help them realize when this happens, they will play a role in it. So to me, that's a big, big part of it is just being prepared and letting them know up front that they do need to be prepared. They do need to take it seriously because it will happen. And then if it doesn't, hey, great. You're just that much more prepared. That's also great advice. Now, do you ever test your backups? And do you, how often, I don't want to know specifics, but yeah. how often would you recommend folks do their backups and test their backups, especially given the fact that if you get ransomware and you can go back one rev before you got it, that would be one way to save a system instead of paying the ransom. Yeah. So there's a lot of things in this area. Um, you know, there's the 
kind of doing business type testing where, hey, this person needs a file restored or that person needs a file restored. And that's happening on a daily basis. So you're always getting into your files and pulling things back. Then there's full system restores. And we do that on a, a set basis. I would suggest you do that at a minimum once a year, if not a couple times a year, where you go through and you restore. I would also suggest that, you know, if you're using hot sites or cold sites, you don't rely on your employees going to those cold sites to restore, but you work with them to develop all the processes and procedures. So you can simply call who's ever running your cold site or your hot site and say, we need to, to move over. It's a hot site, you're already moved over, but a warm site um, so that you can be transitioned over to that without actually sending somebody because in the middle of, a, of an earthquake or whatever that thing might be, you might not get people to go to that site to do the restoration. So you may have all the best processes, you may have the data there, but if it relies on your people getting there and they can't get there, you're kind of dead in the water. So that's one of the things that we've worked on is to be able to do this in a very automated fashion um, remotely. So Chuck, one of the questions I have is really about the business side of this. How do you get the executives and other people involved in understanding the cyber landscape, the risk that you deal with every day and even getting your budget? Do you have any ideas or advice for our viewers and listeners? Yeah, I do. Um, several years ago, we formed what we call our Security Risk Council. And it's some of our top executives in the company, as well as some leaders from different divisions within our company. And I bring them together three to four times a year. Um, I've selected somebody to be the chairperson for that committee. I purposely didn't put myself as the chairperson. I wanna drive the discussions. But what that does is it gives the opportunity to talk to them about cybersecurity, to help them know some of the things that are going on out there, and thus why it's important that we have certain tools or people or processes in place to help us deal with that. And then when it comes time for budgeting, I've got a group of some of the top executives in the company who already understand this. And they're saying, yeah, we really do need to do that. So it's not just me requesting more money for security. It's them saying from a business perspective, those are things we need to do to properly protect our business. So it gives me a great audience to work with and they, they bring up some, some great ideas, some great questions, sometimes things that I haven't thought about, and then we'll dig into those and work with them. So that's been a big, big benefit for us uh, to do that. My boss, I report to the CIO, she's part of that organization as well. There's HR in it, there's legal in it, there's our audit folks in it, um, as well as again, just other disciplines across the company. Let's say you've got the receptionist who deals with a lot of people all the time coming and going. Would that person belong in the Security Risk Council or is it only senior executives or do you mix it up a little bit? No, it's mostly senior executives from the company. Um, the idea being we want to be in there and talk about truly uh, business impacts, potential business impacts for us and help us understand the risks and then ultimately assign ownership if there is an ownership for some of these things. Getting these diverse views, it, it helps you come up with uh, actionable results to help reduce the risk of a breach? Yeah, the risk of a breach and the, the impact potentially of it. So both. So we may, and we may think something sounds like a great idea and HR says, yeah, you know, it's probably not the greatest approach for our employees or we may want to do something else and legal says, yeah, we got to be a little careful about what we're doing there. So it brings all those perspectives together in one room. And typically we have an agenda where we say we're going to cover two or three topics in this hour and a half or so that we meet. And you do this uh, three or four times a year? Yeah, three to four times a year. And then sometimes we'll do it on a kind of an out of session one if needed. And then on top of that, I will get together with our, some of our top execs in the company 
a couple times a year to present to them and I'll present to our board at least once a year. More great advice for our viewers and listeners. Chuck, is there anything else you want to cover uh, or talk about that we haven't discussed yet today? Boy, Gary, there's there's so much out there in this field. Um, I guess one of the, the last things I would say is this is a field where there's, I, the numbers change, but there's maybe a 2 million person shortage in talent out there today. There's way more jobs than we have. So as you're looking to hire and bring people on board, um, think out of the box sometimes. You know, I bring people on board some, to our company that maybe don't even have a real strong, if any, security background, but they're, they're inquisitive, they're curious, they like to learn how things work, and they have an interest in security. So I can take somebody like that and we can train them and develop them. There's a saying I have is, you know, it's not my saying, but I'll take credit for it today anyway. And that is that you, you can't steer a parked car. Um, so if somebody's afraid to get behind that driver's seat, push on the gas and start moving, there's not a lot I can do. So I'm looking for people who have a passion, a drive, a desire, and we'll put them behind the wheel. They might bounce off the guardrails a little bit, but we'll teach them how to drive. We'll teach them about security and we'll get them driving down the road. Um, so we bring a lot of people in as interns and then we will develop and train them that way. And again, sometimes they're, they're IT security folks and sometimes maybe they're more business minded with an interest in cybersecurity and they've taken a couple courses there. So that's what we've done to try and just broaden the people that we can bring in. And I think uh, two things of it, one, it gives us a bigger pool of people to pull from, but also it gets us a little diversity in our thought. So we're getting people who just don't think cyber all the time, but who think about business and other things. And that, that blends really well to kind of make a complete program for us. Chuck McCarry, you are the Chief Information Security Officer of PACCAR.com, PACCAR. We see your trucks everywhere across America. We're appreciative that you've got these things running smoothly. I know you've even gone electric on some of your units and you've got all these internet connectivities and capabilities, and you're even testing and pen testing vehicles for their safety. So you are doing awesome, keeping the lights on in America. And we're really appreciative of you and your company. Well, thank you, Gary. I appreciate it and appreciate your time today. Thanks. And I can't wait till we do this again, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. Great advice from Chuck. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski.